This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as the organizer of the free film festival outside Congressman Steve King's office. This week, we're watching Schindler's List and Hidden Figures. But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Beth Ford, the CEO of Land O'Lakes. That's right, butter. She's been in that role, but it's a lot more than that since last August, since the first openly gay CEO of a Fortune 500 company. All kinds of things. We're going to talk about agritech, king a little bit, and sort of how you run a modern company that is not necessarily tech-related in the tech-heavy world we are living now. Beth, welcome to Recode Decode. Thanks for having me. Where is Land O'Lakes? Land O'Lakes is headquartered in Minnesota. Minnesota, mm-hmm. which in Minneapolis? or Right outside of Minneapolis in Arden Hills. And you know, the founding of the company, it was founded by um, dairy farmers in 1921, Upper okay. Midwest Dairy Farmers. Uh-huh. And it's, it resides still in um, Minnesota, which is where it was founded. It was founded. All right. So I want to get first into your background. Uh, there's all kinds of things to talk about and stuff in the news and stuff, how you guys operate. Talk a little bit about how you got to Land O'Lakes. What was the journey to this? Yeah, well. And um, what, it, what it does. First, what does Land O'Lakes have? Explain to people what they own. Right. Well, you started with the butter and right. everybody, of course, knows Land O'Lakes because of the brand of goods business and mm-hmm. our butter business, which mm-hmm. is where the company was founded. But actually, we're— Is the a, butter business still the biggest business? Or no, 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 actually not by a long shot. Okay. Um, the dairy businesses, which includes Vermont Creamery, mm-hmm. um, uh, Cozy Shack Pudding. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, snack cheese. We have a lot of different products in the dairy sector, and that's probably a third of the company. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to your question mm-hmm. because I think it's really interesting. Land O'Lakes is a co-op. We are farmer-owned. We retain farmer ownership. We're owned by about 4,000 farmers. We touch half the harvested acres in uh, the United States, a quarter of the farmers. The reason that's relevant is the business portfolio. It starts from the farmer. We have an ag tech portfolio. We're an expert wholesaler. We're working with growers on the acre. Mm -hmm. Um, We have Purina Animal Nutrition. So Mm -hmm. um, we feed 100 million uh, animals a day. We um, feed the Olympic horses. We have all sorts of animal feed businesses, exotic animal businesses, and then the dairy business. We also have a sustained platform where we're working, again, on sustainable food production um, on the acre with uh, farmers. And that's really important, again, uh, because of the changing environment and the need to feed a growing world population. So when you are saying you're you're owned by the farmers, it's literally, it's governed by 4,000 farmers? We have 4,000 members. Mm -hmm. Um, We we have um, growers. We have producers. Mm -hmm. Um, We have retailers, so local retailers. So it's a reverse ownership model, say about 800 of those. Mm -hmm. And then the board, the governing board, it's uh, 28 uh, farmer members actually sit on the board.
board, um, and that was who selected me. So as not CEO. a public company, not no. Though we have a preferred tranche mm-hmm. of equity, and so that would be more on the public markets. Okay, so explain how you got to be running this. <laughs> well, um, I, yeah, that's that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have been in business for about thirty three years. I've mm-hmm. worked in um, six industries, seven mm-hmm. companies. I started in the oil industry. Okay. Um, I worked for Mobile Oil in all in line operations. I managed tanker and barge. I was tr- in trucking facilities. I was on the docks in mm-hmm. the refineries. I spent some time at Pepsi. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran the North American um, supply chain. I did some time in publishing. This is delivering Pepsi. Delivering or, 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 yeah. or making Pepsi. Uh, both. Okay. Both. Right. I spent some time in publishing mm-hmm. um, for Hachette, also Scholastic, Harry Potter, Cliff of the Big Red Dog. I was mm-hmm. their chief operating mm-hmm. officer. Mm-hmm. I spent some time in the chemicals sector. Um, and was working around the world. And uh, it, it was that last stop um, at a company called IFF, um, working in international markets. Um, I received a call. Um, would I be willing to come and talk to Land Lakes about um, a role? And um, I decided to go in and do that. I'm from the Midwest originally, mm-hmm. and um, this is, you know, was in the Midwest. So I went there and was hired as their chief supply chain officer. And from that— chief. Chief Supply Chain Officer, so okay. all the operating, manufacturing. Because so, you were in operations. You're in I operations was, first. I was. That was my background. So you're like Tim Cook of, right, right. essentially. Okay. All right. But that's a stretch because he's, you know, um, <laughs> he's just a supply guy like you are. <laughs> and then um, when I was there, after a couple of years, I uh, took over responsibility for IT, and I had had that in my portfolio before. And then I took R and D. Then I took the two of the businesses. Then I took the last business, and suddenly um, was in position to be um, considered for the CEO. Uh, slot and uh, the um, CEO retired mm-hmm. last year, and I was uh, named CEO in August. So, I'm just curious when you went. How many years? Three or four years ago? Went there? How many years? I've been there. This is my eighth year. Eighth so year. It was okay. Seven years. What did you think? Like, I'm gonna. What did you think? There's just another supply chain. Just no, no, whatever no. it is. No, like, no, no. No, I had been. It, it had been discussed with me before whether I was interested in being a CEO. Probably the last two or three companies. Mm-hmm. So that was certainly an aspiration. Um, I uh, did talk with the CEO and with members of the board about this uh, mm-hmm. previously um, and, and certainly prior to, to this opportunity coming open. All right. And so right now, in becoming a CEO, uh, you are one of the few women CEOs. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. it's, it's a, What's it now, 4%? It's something like— 4.5% or something, something like 20, that. 27, I yeah. think, of us now. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, and, and also, you're, are you, is it correct that you're the only— Gay, openly gay CEO? Female. Female CEO. Tim Cook. Tim Cook and you. Again with Tim Cook. You have so much in common. Talk about that. Talk about what that's like. Being uh, one of the few CEOs? Yeah, one of the few women CEOs. Um, Well, you know, certainly there's more um, of a spotlight on you, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Because I get— Questions all the time. Boy, there aren't very many of you. There are a number have been has been shrinking, and I think, of course, it's highlighted because there are very few women mm-hmm. in this position. Mm-hmm. I think there's an opportunity with that, and that opportunity means that, by definition, yes, there is more of a spotlight, but there's more opportunity then to discuss the business to mm-hmm. do, to make an impact, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's the way I've seen it. I don't really, I don't sit there and think about it very much. Right. Geez, I'm a woman, mm-hmm. and I'm in this position. Mm-hmm. I think this is my response. These are the things I need to do. This is the work I need to uh, mm-hmm. undertake. And um, so I, whereas other people might highlight it, it's not really the way I come to work every day, mm-hmm. me as a woman. And yet there are issues of sexism. I mean, it was interesting because Emily Weiss from Glossier, who's running Glossier, it's a mm-hmm. very fast-growing uh, beauty company, online beauty company, said the same thing. And I was like, 
can you ignore it completely? Like, it's it's hard to imagine you can actually ignore well, it. Well, no, but I mean, you know, I've been through the journey in my life. I've uh-huh. certainly had more, um, you know, challenging environments. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's not really where I come to work. I, mm-hmm. It really is not. I mean, do I have things um, noted to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, do some people say things that are sexist? Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. I will call them out directly right. when they do it. And right. I'll say I don't appreciate that. Or mm-hmm. sometimes I'll use humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but not. I have not really encountered that to any significant degree, certainly in my current company. Mm-hmm. I have over my career journey certainly encountered right. that. Right. And how do you think the state of women leadership are at the top echelon? of American society because it's one of, it's the thing that I think a lot of people feel has to change. It's changing yeah. in Congress. It's changing all kinds of places. I agree. I mean, it's it, we're not represented uh, appropriately given our number. And I, you know, I talk a lot about making sure you put yourself in position to be considered for different roles. Mm-hmm. And um, it requires quite a bit of sacrifice. I've worked, mm-hmm. I've moved quite a bit um, with my family, and you know, I've moved to different companies to look at opportunities to continue to grow my career. Um, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of a I guess a push to mm-hmm. get where you want to be, and that's certainly what I would say. It, it isn't representative of where it should be. I've met a number of fantastic female leaders, mm-hmm. and um, I think that they should be in position to get the the top job. You know, my wish would be that it would move more quickly. Mm-hmm. And what about being openly gay? Did you bend that way throughout your career? Uh, probably the last. I wish, uh, I wish we'd get rid of the word "openly gay." It's so like right. What is the difference? You know, well, there, there was. There yes, was. I know. Yeah. Um, you know, probably over the last twenty-five years. Mm-hmm. You know, I have children. Mm-hmm. I you know, one might say they popped in. I mean, <laughs> who <laughs> are know? these people? Hey, who, why are they showing up at my doorstep? Yeah. Um, you know, no. I you know I've I've been out there because the reality is I have nothing. I'm not ashamed of my mm-hmm. family. I love my family. I feel very blessed, mm-hmm. um, and I feel blessed. To to be who I am, and um, and so yes, I have been open about it. I will tell you that there have been very selective decisions I've made in my career, mm-hmm. where I certainly recognized previously, let's say twenty years ago, you know, fifteen years ago, even tw- ten mm-hmm. years ago, going to certain parts of the country, taking different uh, jobs with mm-hmm. different companies that were Me more too. conservative. Yeah. That was just a non-starter. Right. And I would tell them that. Mm-hmm. I would tell them why that that was not going to be uh, acceptable to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I live my life to live my life. I live right. my life openly. Right. I have a great life. I have a great spouse. 26 years together. Mm-hmm. We have wow. three teenagers. That's 75 years in straight people. It's a a lot. It's a three multiple, just so you know. It's a lot. It's three. 75th anniversary. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, It's it's more than 70, close to 80 years together. Yeah, it's a a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, but, you know, I— I, uh, I'm blessed. Yeah. I really am. And in that regard, it's not, it hasn't been obstructive from your perspective. It's probably an asset in no. a lot of ways. Weird, well, weirdly. listen, you know, I'm, what am I, I'm not going to change myself. Right, yeah. I like myself the <laughs> right, way I that's am. That's true. That's a fair point. That's <laughs> so a fair what point. am I going to do? Um, so I, I think it's been fine, and I think the most important thing, I say this about starting work, period. I say mm-hmm. my, my family is my priority. And you need to understand that. So there will be times I will make decisions. I'm taking my children to the bus. Mm-hmm. I'm going to this. I'm leaving early mm-hmm. to do X, Y, Z with my kids, with my family. And if I, if that's acceptable, then mm-hmm. this is a great place. If it's not, this isn't the right place for me right. because right. that is my priority. And that, you know, when I'm very upfront with that, that's uh, been perfectly fine. Does that allow you to effectuate change across the companies it does. that you've worked at? I think that's a— that's Like a, Susan Wojcicki from YouTube talks about this. Yeah. She's pushed a lot of things as a— as a 
mom of like, I don't know, she has 53 children at this point. (laughs) She does have a lot. She does have, there's a lot of children (laughs) over there. My mom has eight, so, you know, (laughs) when you have three, you're... you're, And each of them has a butler, of course, but still. (laughs) Sorry, Susan, Um, that's true. But, you know, does it does allow me to, to effectuate change? You know, I think it's a really important point. What I try to do is, um, you know, I, I don't go out there and announce this, but, mm-hmm. but everybody knows that I am into my family and mm-hmm. I'm going to make family decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I think it makes them feel more comfortable. People feel more comfortable to say, you know, I'm going to leave too. I need to go and take care of my, mm-hmm. my kids or I've got an issue. And so I think that makes um, folks more comfortable, women more comfortable to say, I don't have to show up at a particular time and leave at a particular time, I'm going to be judged as um, not professional if I um, if I do that. And, you know, so I think that that is helpful. All right. Before we get in this section, the next section we're going to talk about land likes and agri-tech essentially and how it's changing your business. Um, what is it like to be the mom? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a lot about what it's like to be a CEO today mm-hmm. at companies that aren't. I, I deal with tech companies all the time, and I know they're not different, different, but things in companies are changing, how tech companies are. are run. How do you look at the role of a modern CEO today? Well, you know, the environment, the operating environment, every operating environment is mm-hmm. very challenging. There are no gimmies. Mm-hmm. So during the process when I was being um, assessed as CEO, one of the things you have to do is you have to say, what do you think the operating environment is? What are your strategic priorities? Mm-hmm. And then what do you think that you need to do to drive the business? Mm-hmm. And what I said is in, in agriculture, especially in, over a period of time, say 2005 to 2013, mm-hmm. there were some tailwinds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you caught a good tailwind, there was good growth mm-hmm. and you, you needed to position the business well, but but you could get some good growth. Mm-hmm. And growth is always critical. It's a great growth industry. It's the greatest growth industry because mm-hmm. of population growth around the world. You need to have more food production um, over the next, you know, by 2050 to get to 10 billion people to um, feed them. So there was growth there. Now it's a kind of a fraught environment. I mean, I can go through every angle and mm-hmm. tell you interest rates, um, strength of the dollar, changing consumer, um, um, money coming in from um, different areas, including mm-hmm. the valley, mm-hmm. um, on ag tech, so different competitors, um, low commodity prices over extended period, tariffs, yeah. trade. Mm-hmm. And so what's it like? Um, it's challenging. And I think if you say, boy, I wish it was different, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be in the CEO slot. Mm-hmm. That would be my view. I think it is exciting. I think we're well positioned. But what we talk about from a team perspective is it's up to us to find those areas mm-hmm. for growth. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be any gimmies. And isn't it phenomenal? that we get the opportunity to redefine what growth opportunities there are for these businesses and um, and continue to drive growth. One of the businesses. themes I think about a lot is how the modern company is going to change. It, you know, I had a really interesting discussion, I'm blanking, with I think it was Ellen Schell, about the, it was about the future of work, but it was also about the history of work and how, you know, for many years, it's interesting because we talked about the farming to manufacturing shift. And farmers, the, in the last, in that, before that shift happened, industrial manufacturing industrial won. Now we're going to be in part two. Farmers were entrepreneurs. Like, if you think about it, it, Americans were entrepreneurs, much more entrepreneurial. You did your crop or not. You figured it out. You did that. You all, everyone all, mostly everyone worked on their own until the manufacturing age when everyone went into companies and just were told what to do, to push mm-hmm. what button to be in this place. And one of the things that I find interesting is I think co- the way companies are run now are going to change really drastically. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we go back to that concept of everyone being an entrepreneur or all employees being entrepreneurial and stuff. I love that insight. Mm-hmm. I, I think the farmers are the ultimate 
an entrepreneur. You yeah. know what? It's a biological system. Um, it, you know, it could be too hot, too cold, too wet, too dry. You can be a great operator, mm-hmm. and you can have a bad result. Um, they are um, incredibly creative, and they have to be to sustain their business operations over multiple generations. Mm-hmm. And I, your, your comment is ex- exactly spot on. You know, one of the things that I think halts innovation is corporate structures. Corporate mm-hmm. structures, because you don't know where to put that. Mm-hmm. Here's a new innovation. We're doing right. a new business. Where are we going to mm-hmm. put that? And so the corporate structure slows down progress. We have to talk about changing our structure and our corporate culture to be more agile and better innovators mm-hmm. and to pop up teams and not get so worried about what's the incentive going to be and how are we going to put this structure together and instead go after the opportunity. To your point, I think that companies are going to need to be more entrepreneurial and be comfortable being uncomfortable. We mm-hmm. talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. All right. We're here with Beth Ford. She is the CEO of Lando Lakes. Um, when we get back, we're going to talk about Agritech. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're here with Beth Ford. She's the CEO of Land O'Lakes. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about her background, but now I want to talk a little about um, agriculture technology. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an interesting area that I don't really focus on, but I'm actually I'm interested in two areas recently. One is construction tech, and I'm I'm just fascinated how because I think the way we build houses right now is artisanal. Um, we make like we put up dry the same drywall everywhere, but not in any kind of organized some fashion. Some do it better than others. I know that, but it's artisanal. It's like <laughs> some guy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not done in any way that is technical. Te- mm-hmm. Technology could anyway. Let's get away from construction. I was just with a bunch of roofing guys the other day, like the big world's biggest. Is roof. that bad news? No, it's great. <laughs> okay. do- they bought a drone company. They bought this- these guys were buying drone companies. They're doing all kinds yeah, of technology. I didn't know something went bad out of the house. No, yeah, no, but no, they're going to take pictures of the roof. And the- anyway, I-, I won't go into uh, roofing technology right now for you, but it was fascinating because mm-hmm. every company is. Be- I wouldn't even thought about it, but they are heavy tech. They're being going into heavy tech. Talk about sort of the tech things within agriculture right now. Sort of the big trends. Well, one of our biggest partners is actually Microsoft, mm-hmm. and they're using tech. Technology and, right, agri- agri- and agriculture with us. And, you know, what happens when you have an industry sector that's performing well, that where people see margins, f- folks start to invest in it. And we mm-hmm. certainly have seen technology investments. Land O'Lakes has been at the forefront of that. And we've invested in, we have satellite technology, you can go over a farmer's land. We give them a prescription for what mm-hmm. they should plant. We have data silos. We're capturing farmers' Sil- data. Data, data uh, silos. Not full of wheat or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. no, it's actual data. Okay, um, but do you have a silo? Yeah. <laughs> Can you put it? Put servers in a silo? Anyway, sorry. I can take a picture. I'll send you. All right, a silo. okay, all right. Okay, so we have data silos. We have um, predictive 
models. <laughs> so it is much more high tech. Mm-hmm. And I think that folks believe that farming is kind of old school. You know, only 1.3, 1.4% of the Amer- of American population is in, involved in agriculture. Mm-hmm. It used to be, what, 70? It used to be 30%. In the, no, it was 70 at some point. Well, right? uh, yeah, yeah like yeah. 19 yeah. or 1800s right. and so on. Right. But in the 1930s, it was 30-some percent. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just moving that rapidly. Yeah. It's a great story, right? Of right. Production efficiency. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing there is you're trying to um, validate um, or with an insight what the grower or what the producer should do, mm-hmm. what they should plant, what is the most fertile area of their property, um, how they can optimize production. We have uh, applied research plots, over 200 applied research plots, some in China, some in Africa, mm-hmm. and in the United States. And from that, we get we get that data, and basically we're we're um, testing things before we have to go and put it on the acre of the farmer. We have our seven tools that allow us, it's what our platform is called, that allow us to identify different ways that they should produce. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, back, go back to this. It's really fascinating to me because technology is heavily in use in the ag sector. Mm-hmm. There's tremendous investment coming in. It really, I I look at it and I think of two things that are really quite interesting to me. People are very uncomfortable with technology and food production. Yes, they are. Well, because we think Monsanto is going to make some seed that's going to kill us all. But go ahead. Yeah, well. Wait, now I'm just going to get killed by Monsanto. But go ahead, sorry. It's buyer now, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. But the the reality is that um, that— So people are very—say that again. Well, people are—people hearken back to the day where, you know, I want to go to the farm stand. And and everybody—that's terrific, but you're not going to feed a a population that's going to get to 10 billion. I have two words for you as to why that is. Soylent green. (laughs) I'm just telling you. That's why people get their vision of that concept from that movie. Well, that and I think everybody's a foodie now. Yes, right? exactly. So they want to have a farm stand. They want everything, every tomato to be grown perfectly by one person who cares for it. For, exactly. And right. it's nurtured and we're rubbing it and mm-hmm. it's a special, it's such a special right. tomato. Right. You're doing that with the cows, right? Yeah, it, no. We do. <laughs> we do. Um, and they're happier for it. And yeah, they give okay. us better. No, no. Happy butter. cows live in California. Um, I don't know if you know that. There are some happy cows. That's, there, that's there? the whole, that's, a, that's an advertising thing for California. Um well, there are some nice happy cows in the upper Midwest. Okay. Um, but, but I will tell you, you know, it's, so, it's fascinating to me because people, first of all, that folks don't understand that there's some technology, significant technology in use in agriculture. And then secondly, how resistant uh, many mm-hmm. folks are to the use of technology in modern agriculture. Mm-hmm. These are safe, proven tools they're use, you're using them on the acre. And it's important from a um, sustainable production perspective. Mm-hmm. There's less land available, less water. Population is going to grow to 10 billion. During that time, that coupled with distribution, um, we have to, to basically double output of food production mm-hmm. by 2050 with you know less land and then water availability is a challenge. So we should embrace safe, proven technology, mm-hmm. um, we're for all types of agriculture, right? Because there's no one answer to mm-hmm. solve this issue, to solve this challenge. But um, I think it's absolutely critically important that everybody understands modern agriculture includes the use of technology right, and it's necessary. Let's break that down because I think the first group of modern agriculture, you remember those movies when all the family farms were dying, the, there were films and things like that. It was that these big combines, these run by robots, were, were taking over all the land and just that that was the vision of agriculture and technology initially. Yeah, 98% of farms are owned by family. Mm-hmm. family so I understand. Everybody, but you, you see the idea of those giant combines run by robots. Yeah, You've you seen know, those. Listen, they, they, they do have some automated um, 
vehicles, mm-hmm. if you will, some mm-hmm. combines and um, planters, and mm-hmm. um, that's great. They could be more precise on the planting of the seed or in, in harvest, and mm-hmm. I think we should all embrace that. The same way we're doing, you know, you're looking at automation and trucking, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, so it's an efficiency thing. So I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing. That's mm-hmm. something that's no, an efficiency. No, um, I mean, you can think of it in terms of, like, um, I was just I was talking about coal mining, and I was like, people shouldn't be coal mining. It should be a robot. Like it will be a robot, and it should be a robot. It'd probably be a Chinese robot, but because we are not as quick as they are in mm-hmm. the robotics area, but it doesn't make any sense in lots of ways because it's more precise, it's safer, and things. That's like right. That. That's right. And so that type of technology, plus the insights, and really what we're we're an insight driven. We call it marketplace back insight driven company. Mm-hmm. So that data silo I talk about, the data and the capturing the data of the farmer and of our applied research plots and of our own insights allows us to provide almost a prescription. And we do. We have what we call, we call it farmer RX or prescription farmer RX. RX. What does that mean? It's a prescription, an right. RX, right? And where we can tell a farmer, hey, this if you plant like this, if you plant this seed, if you put this. Um, crop protection on if you if you um, use variable rate application of, mm-hmm. of fertilizer, those types of things, this is your outcome. Because at the end, what we're wanting to do is not just optimize output, we're trying to reduce variability of outcomes for a farmer when the climate has so much to do with the outcome for a farmer. Right. Um, so we're really focused on, on that insight that can advantage a farmer that allows them to continue to sustain their, sure. sustain their profitable production. Let's talk about more. So you've got, in farming right now, technologies, there's automated combines, automated robotic kind mm-hmm. of planting and seeding. The other is predicting for people what... Predictive what, analytics. Predictive analytics mm-hmm. of what they should grow. They should grow soybeans here or, or grow this here. This isn't going to work. Talk about some other other things that we, are happening. Drones, drone technology. We have, we have, we have satellite oh, t- technology. We have satellite drones, and drones. drones, drones. But drones, you know, if you think about it, somebody's got to be flying the drone, right? Right. right. And I think everybody ha- thinks that agriculture, look at this, is so cool. The guy's flying the drone over the back 40, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When in reality, you know, who's doing that? And where's the data being captured from mm-hmm. that drone? So we actually had a contest mm-hmm. uh, with the different some universities. Bring your best idea of how you would capture drone data and pair it with our satellite technology. It just wasn't there yet, you know, mm-hmm. that ability to match data. What were you data. seeking there? Well, we were just trying to say if drone technology could be used more precisely because satellite technology, of course, if there's cloud cover, you're not getting a good picture in season right. of what's happening, and so you may not mm-hmm. be able to react as quickly. Mm-hmm. So we said if we could couple that with some drone technology and be more um, targeted or directed, would that you know, would that um, Why be more efficient? There? Because you couldn't capture the data effectively in the data structures that you needed. Um, plus, you you know, you would go to how efficient is it to fly drones, you know, one at a time across mm-hmm. different fields? Who's doing that? And mm-hmm. how capable are they? Right, the training. Um, so, I mean, so we have that. We have uh, soil testing labs, solum mm-hmm. labs. So we may find, you know, we may say, hey, there's a, it looks like there's a disease state that's occurring in this, this particular area. Send somebody over there. You take a tissue sample or a soil sample. We have soil labs, that then comes back um, to a master agronomist, and that agronomist then is looking at it and saying, here, these are the three things you need to do, um, and we can help you with that, and we'll put on the following sprays. Mm-hmm. So there, there are various things that you're doing in terms of technology, whether it's data, data uh, analytics. We also have a platform called Truterra, mm-hmm. where we're working on sustainable 
production on the acre. And again, we can work with a grower who wants to have a more sustainable production model. What what does that mean, sustainable? It means what you're looking at is things, like I said, variable rate application. You're not going to put all your fertilizer on at the same time because guess what? Sometimes it washes away and Mm -hmm. you're not getting a good return on that investment and you're in Mm -hmm. areas that's depleting the soil. Soil quality is absolutely critical Mm -hmm. for a farmer. Um, You might look at water, water retention. Um, You know, so there's always some uh, concerns about whether there's impact in groundwater or in um, different watersheds Mm -hmm. around there. So what we're looking at are probably 140 different variables with a farmer in this model that allows us to diagnose how sustainable they are and then make recommendations about changes they can make in the way that they're producing Mm -hmm. um, that will allow them to be not only more productive but more profitable and then more sustainable for the long term. Give me an example of what you might do. Well, so one of the things we might say is that you have, um, you've been applying different um, chemicals over here or different uh, nitrogen or um, different fertilizers over here. And guess what? This particular area of your field not productive at all. And what we would Mm -hmm. recommend is not putting this on um, right away. Instead, do variable rate application, take a soil sample. From that, then you can decide to put the next, uh, make the next decision, and then the next decision. Or we may see um, water seepage, you know, where we're getting, um, you know, we're getting uh, retention issues Mm -hmm. um, with different uh, quality and different quality issues in the soil. Here are the three or four things you can do. um, And we did some work, for instance, with uh, the state of Minnesota Mm -hmm. on um, water quality and water quality issues for for, um, water bodies that were close to farmland. Mm -hmm. So what we do with that information, in addition to helping them, we are partnered with companies like Walmart, who mm-hmm. has the Gigaton Challenge. Mm-hmm. We're partnered with Campbell's Soup, with Kellogg's, with others who are who are concerned about these areas. They're concerned about the supply of food to make food. Yeah, they're concerned about that, and they want to make sure that they have sustainable production, meaning mm-hmm. my ingredients, Campbell's Soup, Kellogg's, my ingredients are sourced from a farmer mm-hmm. that we know has um, good farm practices that are better mm-hmm. for the environment. Right, because— because they want to market against that, because it's part of their, their value of their company. It's certainly part of the values of our company and part mm-hmm. of the values of the farmers. And we, mm-hmm. you know, so we like to to make sure that we can we can convey that. So, uh, before we finish this section, so when you talk about sustainability, as you said, there's going to be 10 billion people on this planet. Mm-hmm. What's the year? They're, they're 2050. 2050. Right, which sounds like a hellscape uh, for a lot of people. And food needs are going to they basically need to double some of that is a distribution probably you could say well it has to go up 70% because there's so waste because the waste and well it's waste it's after harvest waste it, waste it's after consumption waste you know right. you see here in the United States there's um, distribution it's huge, issues it's usually yeah. high yeah uh, what is it and there what is it 12% of the population in the world goes to bed hungry mm-hmm. so there's waste and, and you know so what we're looking at is how can we make sure we have sustainable food production when we know there's not going to be enough water Water, mm-hmm. And not enough land that is um, you know, going to be moved into crop mm-hmm. production, mm-hmm. and you know, so all of those there are num- there's no um, one answer to that problem. Some mm-hmm. of it has to do with um, you know production. Some of it has to do with waste. Some of it has to do with distribution. Some, I mean, all of those things have to play together. It's one of the reasons that I think this company, my company, Atlanta Lakes, is so interesting. Mm-hmm. People know us as the butter company, mm-hmm. but we're doing things that are so that much bigger. You, Beth? No, actually, you know, we looked at that. We said, does that hold us back? Right. 
And, you know, we, we, we kind of sneak up on people. Yeah. Because when people investigate what this business really is and mm-hmm. how we're doing things, our mission is feeding human progress. Mm-hmm. The, the things Wait, you that say we're that? Doing, our mission is feeding human progress? We do say that. Please don't say that we're, anymore here. Okay, we're going to embrace it. How about just feeding We're going to own it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we feed animals, too. Right, okay. Um, so what we like to do feeding is Feeding sentient say, beings. Don't do okay, that. Don't do that. I, don't that's do why that. I don't work for a marketing company. Why? So why? All right, go ahead. Keep going. But but I was saying this, you know, the, the work that we're doing, the mission of the company, the mm-hmm. the the fact that we're trying to hit one of these grand challenges, mm-hmm. I think makes it an incredibly exciting um, mm-hmm. place to be. And not it's not just the technology or the work of the work. It's right. the, the vision of what the company is all about. Right. But when you're thinking about that idea of feeding the world, you know, be honest, how dangerous are we not if we're scared of using technology? I think it is because they think they're going to take seeds and turn them into some monster seed that's going to kill us all or something like that. What, how dangerous is the situation? I think sometimes we're our own worst enemy. You know, we push back on technology for food production, yet we say we we need to believe um, te- the use of technology or we need to believe um, insights around climate change. Mm-hmm. We say GMOs, mm-hmm. G- you know, we almost lost mm-hmm. the use of that technology. That's been in modern agriculture for 20-some years. There's never been a health problem, and it's an implied saying GMO-free is an implied health claim. And um, so it, we scare people with marketing. Um, and, uh, you know, so what, what do I think? I think that there is an ability to meet this challenge, mm-hmm. but we have to open our minds to all sorts of angles for that. There's mm-hmm. organic farming. I mean, there's all types of different farming in the way that we produce food, and we should embrace that mm-hmm. and not, you know, not have it be something that is a marketing issue where I'm trying to take share from somebody else. I'm trying to, uh, you know, we should elevate a sector mm-hmm. versus saying I'm going to try to take share from somebody else, right. and the way I do that is by saying this food is bad. Right, right. But are we under great challenge, besides water, I don't want to get into the issues around water or anything else, but are we under great inability for there not to be enough innovation in food production to create a crisis? I think that there's innovation that's occurring, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to use, again, I'll just use that last example of GMO. GMO seeds, because of that kind of really negative view of that, What happens? Where are some of the food stress areas? Mm-hmm. Food, some of the food stress areas are in emerging markets. They're mm-hmm. like in Africa. Mm-hmm. We, by the way, have a development division. We go into these emerging markets and work with smallholder farmers. We're partnered with the Gates Foundation. We're mm-hmm. partnered with USAID. The reason this is relevant is because in some of these countries, because they say, well, it's not good enough for you, mm-hmm. so we're not going to use it here. This right. is a real moral issue of right. an ability to feed well, a, you know, a villager. because right, we're not using it here. Cause yeah, because if, if it's not good enough for you, why is it good enough right, for me. Right. Um, and that's a real problem. So when you say, right. is that's there a the real That's the whole Nestle thing. If you're, I mean, I think it's that mentality of, yeah. of that. And so the, when you say, is there a challenge? Where mm-hmm. there's a challenge, if we're not going to embrace technology, proven, safe, it has to be. I'm all about that. I'm all about other different types of, mm-hmm. of food production. But we have to, to realize that the challenge is significant to try to feed this world population. All right. We're here with Beth Ford. She's the CEO of Land O'Lakes, talking about agri-tech and, how we, and food sustainability and food issues going forward. When we get back, we're going to talk more about really where the future of food is. It's a big obsession in Silicon Valley. They've, they've gotten into a lot of different food things. And a little bit about Stephen King, because uh, Land O'Lakes uh, did something somewhat controversial for a big company uh, recently. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. 
If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we're back with Beth Ford, the CEO of Land Lakes. We're just talking about agribusiness. I want to sort of spin it forward about where food is going, like the idea of food. You, you all make and work with all kinds of farmers. You work with people who make food, Campbell's, and people who sell food. Silicon Valley's gotten super interested in in the Impossible Burgers. Not, I mean, I know meat is not your area, but it's the idea well, of all yeah all these things of how we're going to make food. How do you look at that sort of? Thing? And then of course they're inter- intermittent fasting and soylent and things like that. The eating. Oh, it sounds very complex. I know, or I not eating. Couldn't. Actually, the idea is not eating. Like figuring out a way to minimize. Do you eating. do that? Intermittent fasting. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes it, it works. Does it work? Yes, it does. Okay. hundred percent. There we go. It does. It doesn't work as well for women as it does for men because women are the pregnancy thing goes. Even though I'm 109 years old, the the uh, your bot the women's bodies apparently are they want they go right to like making you. There's things that get created that make you hungry, huh. uh, and then you eat. Like it, <laughs> if you don't eat, it makes you hungry to eat more than men apparently. Apparent. In any case, uh, I it's interest. It's interesting. It's an interesting thing. But how do you think about where food is going? Well, food production, by the way, we, we had a whole thing at South by Southwest. We'll do mm-hmm. it again on the food mm-hmm. effect, and we talk about mm-hmm. a little bit about that. So where do I see food going? Like I say, everybody is, it's a foodie culture. Everybody mm-hmm. has a point of view yes. about food. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Um, and so it's one of those areas you get a lot of opinions mm-hmm. about. Um, I think it's exciting because what, what it is, it's very intimate. It's the way you think about your families. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. place, like, it's a gathering mm-hmm. element. And so I think that that is still going to be there. What is interesting is consumers are much more willing to change. You know, now when I was growing up, you know, I have seven siblings, you'd get Wheaties, Rice Krispies, Cheerios, that was mm-hmm. it. The, mm-hmm. That was breakfast. Now, there are all sorts of different choices. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's an exciting time for food, um, for the food industry, but mm-hmm. you have to be an innovator, meaning you can't just rely on, hey, I have this, now I'm going to have a cinnamon butter. Mm-hmm. That's not innovation. Mm-hmm. And you can't even get a meeting mm-hmm. with a large retailer. Um, and so that is a, a significant issue right now. Innovation is going to be central. You see a lot of startups. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we have an accelerator mm-hmm. um, where we'll work. We don't take a position. We don't mm-hmm. take an equity position with them. We just help them mm-hmm. because by definition, it's beneficial for our farmers and for our mm-hmm. dairy producers to have the sector lifted by mm-hmm. other businesses. I think you're going to see more of that. Mm-hmm. And there does seem to be more of an interest from, um, from Silicon Valley. They're investing in tech tools like we discussed, mm-hmm. but also it's just, like I said, it's the whole culture of whether it's meat, meatless meat, you know, cell-based meat, all mm-hmm. of those things are evolving. Right. So what will food be like in 20 years? What is food? Like also, there's also the, the, the nutritious elements because most people don't eat very nutritious, like getting 
people. Yeah, there's a health and wealth. We we spend a lot of time looking at insights because people will buy, you know, on either convenience or mm-hmm. values, or they buy on on you know on uh, various elements. So, you know, what do I see? Food is so central. It do things change? Do new products come in? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. But I do think still it's a it's like a hamburger. Point. Yeah, <laughs> like a hamburger. Yeah, that's no, a new product. Way. I know. I haven't. I've see, I saw that it supposedly looks like a burger, and it's got the texture, the mouthfeel, and feel. it's just as unhealthy for you. The ones that they had. There. Is it really the hamburgers? Yeah, the hamburgers there were not good hamburgers. Did you taste it? No, I wasn't in the White House anyway. <laughs> oh, those burgers. <laughs> those burgers. No, oh, no, no. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, imp- I'm, I'm making a joke. Uh, uh, Donald Trump tweeted, we yeah. had a thousand hamburgers. Yeah. It was like a new food product from the, from Donald Trump. You know, I think, I don't know what, what that's going to be like. Right. I do know that, you know, again, it's that reaction we all have. Right. What, what do you mean you're cell-based meat? Right. What do you right. mean? Right. Because it feels uncomfortable. Right. Um, it seems different and something. Thing that's so personal to mm-hmm. all of us that you have memories shaped around. Um, I, you know, I I will be curious to see how it evolves myself. Mm-hmm. I do think that there's going to be more innovation. You see that. You cannot, you know, this retail side, we didn't even get into that when I know we don't have time. Mm-hmm. But since there's so much significant retail disruption. Yes, talk about that. No, we have well, time. This is, this is really an interesting thing because we see the second and third order implications of this. So you've got Amazon that buys Whole Foods, right? And they're trying to take a position in the grocery line and they're trying to get last mile delivery and have connection with the consumer. So what happens? There's a whole response by the whole grocery industry. Tremendous challenges. And what they do then is is really interesting. We see it in our business because they go and they decide they're going to put on their own processing. Some of them are putting their own animals. Mm -hmm. They want to own the whole value chain because they do what businesses do. They go back in the value chain and they try to say, I want to capture these profit pools and I want to control this destiny. Right. so you you know you we see it play out in a couple of ways. One, our business because we are differentiated. We are farmer to retail. We see the whole value chain. So we can work with some of these companies to feed their animals through mm-hmm. our Purina business, mm-hmm. or we can work because they've got to have forage to mm-hmm. feed those animals. Mm-hmm. Or we work at retail. We make mm-hmm. trade-off decisions across our portfolio. And when people understand we can help them that way, right. you know, it's really fascinating. That you know the other uh, component of it is, it's pushing back to put pressure on farmers. So. How do you get retail traffic? Mm-hmm. Well, oftentimes what they do is it's through milk. It's drink is fresh mm-hmm. products mm-hmm. a mom or a dad needs mm-hmm. to feed their kids, right? So mm-hmm. they want to drive store traffic, and this is this retail disruption. So what's happening is that they want to pressure down pricing mm-hmm. on that on drinking milk and other items. That pushes all the way back to the farmer and the uh, and the producer. And so we're seeing this play out across these different areas. Um, you can't get a meeting with a large retailer, a grocery mm-hmm. retailer, if you don't have an innovation. That's why we we're excited to acquire mm-hmm. Vermont Creamery, mm-hmm. um, where we can do innovation. Uh, you know, in small amounts. We'll we'll create products mm-hmm. in partnership with a retailer. Or do you ever imagine those retailers? I'm thinking Amazon owning farms. Like, why do they need you? Like that. You know what I mean? Like some of them, that's what I'm telling you. Some of the some yeah. of the major retailers are. Well, why they they aren't really they aren't really farmers. No, but they could. Like they, they're buying up, and they're they're now UPS. They're now you could argue they're now, Uber's now UPS. They're yeah. going to get into Uber delivery. I mean, these tech companies are being other. They're now doing Hollywood. They're not doing, and they bought Whole Foods. Like it's why not, not? Just Amazon? It's right. other retailers. Like all I say, the retailers. Yeah, all the re- many retailers are putting on their but, animals. But if you think about Amazon, they're everywhere because of online. They can deliver anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could, I'm going to be there next week. Actually, yeah, um, it's interesting. I I'm. I, I wouldn't think about it, but they could buy 
the food chain. They they seem to be expanding, you know, pretty rapidly in a lot of different areas. They're in grocery. I'm not sure that they're yet. They've got a huge position in grocery, well, especially on fresh they're grocery. They're trying to zero out PNG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they are. That's what they're doing. They're trying to. All the CPG companies are in panic there because of the basic. Right. So why not go? And that's why I say innovation is so central. You know who's winning? Mm-hmm. I always say this. You know, this is why I love this accelerator. Mm-hmm. Because you kept bringing this guy, and he's got, like, I, I think he's pulling a red wagon. Mm-hmm. He's getting on the store shelf at Whole Foods or something. And I'm like, what's the guy doing? we got to learn from the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, this innovation, this ability to test at a farm stand, yeah. it is absolutely crucial. So you're right. Big CPG companies have tremendous pressure. And, and at the same time, you see retailers mm-hmm. themselves have. So you know what's growing? Mm. This won't surprise you. Um, in grocery, uh, grocerant, you know, you go get your chicken. Your is chicken. that the word? You that gave is. me a new word yeah, I didn't know. There grocerant. Go. Live the dream. Yeah. So grocerant, snack cheese. Everybody likes to snack. Nobody likes to cook. 10% right. of Americans like to cook. They can't even cut up their cheese. There we go. Mm-hmm. Do you know what else there is growing? No. Food service. Meaning. Food service, meaning back of a house at a restaurant mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, in colleges and things like that. Mm-hmm. Those businesses were innovating against those areas of mm-hmm. growth because that's where the growth is in the grocery, um, mm-hmm. in the grocery business, in the retail business. Mm-hmm. But center of the store, that's not growing mm-hmm. um, because of the reasons we're saying. People are more willing to trade. So mm-hmm. you, I want to go back very directly to your question, what's it going to be like? I think we're going to see a very changing competitive environment that demands innovation, insights about what a consumer might want. And you have to be fearless um, to try things. You can't take asymmetric risk, bet mm-hmm. everything on mm-hmm. it, but you can um, drive innovation. And I think that's an exciting place to be. Do we have to have a store anymore? Are we going to go back to Milkman? I'm convinced that's where we're headed. I, lo- I love the Milkman. No. They always came to our house. Right, exactly. But no stores, just Milkman. Because the Milkman didn't just bring milk. They brought bread. They brought all kinds of goods. Hmm. And I've... I, what know, do we I need a store for? I don't know. This no, is my I, new premise. I freaked out everyone at National Retail well, Federation. I was, just, I was I, like, there will be no more stores. Just put that like in your head. Store. I like the store. Um, you like shopping. That's I, different well, from liking I like buying. going and seeing what's in the aisle that I wouldn't have really? seen. You like the hunt and gather? Why? Well, because I like— it, Spend more time with your family. Like a, well, it's interesting because you're a food seller, but I mean, you're a food No, no because I, sometimes I bring my family along and then mm-hmm. they bring something into the cart that they're not supposed to have. And then I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll try that. Yeah, I know, but think about it. Then I look like a star mom. I look a star mom then. I'm trying to fuck with, with retailers and food people. There will I know not you be, are. There will not be stores. Just like, <laughs> Why are you trying to scare them? There also will not be cars. You will. It'll be like a horse. That's true. You'll be, it'll be like your it's horse. It's true. You're not going to need a car. I just, I'm about to sell my car. I'm never going to buy another car again in my life. It's my column for, for the New York Times. This well, you, you live in, you, but you live in cities. You no. can do that. No, I use a car. Yeah, yeah, you can do that, but everyone's going to do that someday. No, you're right. I think it's, I think You it's couldn't be, do that before. No. But, yeah. I, I like it. I, I think you're absolutely spot on mm-hmm. on that, and it's moving at warp speed. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the car companies. Mm-hmm. Is Ford going to sell, sell what? One model? Right, one model that they're going to drive like an and pick SUV? you up. And they're going to pick you up. And then, but no, they'll, 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 they'll own rental fleets that you. But that's it. I mean, most yeah. people. Most companies like that are going to a services model, mm-hmm, right. right? We'll give you the car. Right. Or if you want, uh, even in the um, in the um, agriculture industry, mm-hmm. you don't need to buy the combine. Here, we'll, you, we'll provide the combine. Yeah. Here's the services and things like it. Right. So, I, I, you know, will we not have a— Stick with it, Milkman. Think about <laughs> it. I love the Milkman. I think milkman. a company the called Milkman. The Milkman came to my house milkman. twice a week. A lot of siblings. Worked well. Good customer service. Brought you what it you wanted. Good. Knew what we you liked wanted. It. He did. But this is AM Milkman. This, this is AI what, milkman. Uh, well, well, see, and that's no, going to happen. 
We'll see. All right, Beth, I want to finish this up with talking about Stephen King. I know you don't want to talk too much about it, but you guys stopped. Explain what happened with Land O'Lakes because it got a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I took over the role in August. Mm -hmm. And um, so we're involved in, I want to go back to my comment on Mm -hmm. modern agriculture. There's only probably 1.4% of American population that's involved in agriculture. Mm -hmm. So we're we're very, uh, we find it necessary and we think it's important for us um, to be involved in D.C. Oh, of course. I'm not going to give you a hard time for giving. No, 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 but I'm saying the the context of it because what we're also trying to do is strengthen rural communities. So Mm -hmm. um, the Congressman King um, was in an election cycle and um, our past um, I believe gave some some funding. Now this was what's just your pack? What is your our pack? Land O'Lakes pack? Oh, okay, okay. It's not called butter um, pack. Anyways, cheese pack. Anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> See, I'm so good. You're you're on it today. I'm on it today. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, you know, so uh, but again, what we're trying to do is see if, for folks who are in agricultural areas. Mm-hmm. Sure. And he yeah. is. Um, you know, working with them on policy issues. Sure. Important farming policy issues. Anyway, he be deeply involved in see from anyway. Iowa. So um, I took over in August and. Um, understood that we needed probably to have a broader frame than whether somebody was involved in agriculture and mm-hmm. mentioned that to my staff and said, you know, we need to have a broader frame mm-hmm. of reference. Um, so as the election got closer, obviously um, uh, the congressman became a hot issue mm-hmm. because of some of his commentary. Mm-hmm. And um, so we just told everybody. You don't what, have to uh, say it. He's a racist. But go ahead. Move along. <laughs> but bottom line is we had already made that decision mm-hmm. because, again— you know, my a new CEO, I looking at everything, and I said we need to have a broader frame of reference. That is, you know, that talks about who we are, talks about um, what the way we want to uh, interact with our consumers, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, talks so about your what, values. Yeah. Talk, even if it's good for you, that he may do good legislation, this is not the way we want to communicate. Right. What kind of backlash, or did, was there not? What was the reaction? Um, well, both sides of the equation. Um, so everybody I, liked I, and hated. I've received much, very nicely written, handwritten, um, or emails or texts, as did our our website. So there's all you know. The, this environment, this political environment, especially, is just fraught with all sorts of mm-hmm. emotion, yeah. isn't it? And so that's not unexpected. Right. And certainly, we heard from everybody. Um, that, that for them, this was a, a, an issue. My view is, I'm going to go back to what I've told my team, we must have a broader frame. How are mm-hmm. we showing up in the marketplace? How are we showing up about who are who we are and what our mm-hmm. values are? And so that's what occurred. And Was um, that a hard decision? I'm, you know, in, 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 in the backdrop of uh, Nike with Cole and uh, Colin uh, Kaepernick. Kaepernick and uh, just Gillette just recently with the with the man, mm-hmm, the, the Be Better Men. Is that hard? And then, you know, I've talked to Brian Chessie about this, about immigration, Silicon Valley people, about all kinds of these. Apple had a whole bunch of them. How how hard is that as a CEO? Because it seems like more CEOs are going to have to do things like this. Now, that, look, Stephen King, I don't think is the hardest call in any, like, that's an easy, that's a relatively easy call. Mm. Um, even if it if it comes with fraud or people writing you saying, how dare you do this? It's still an easy call, mm-hmm. in, even no matter mm-hmm. what you get. How much does a CEO have to be, it's sort of virtue marketing, and not just that, virtue signaling. Virtue signaling is what yeah. it is, not marketing. I think you would be naive to not understand consumers are making product decisions or uh, um, buying decisions based on who they perceive you are as a company. Mm -hmm. So 
you better have that framework in your mind, mm-hmm. um, the way you're showing up in the marketplace, the way you're describing the company itself, the way you're describing how you're you're um, playing and engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, thus, you know the the what we believe our focus is of feeding a growing world population. When people understand that we have farmer ownership or that that is our you know what we're targeting, um, I think that they they like the company, they love our products even more that wow, we didn't even know that. We put our farmers on the front of the package. So uh, you know these decisions, I agree with you. I think people are paying attention. There's social media. They're going to make judgments about your products based on who they believe the company is, how they're, it's being led, and the way you're showing up. And you you should um, and you understand can't that. Get it. You can't avoid it. You, you, you feel like you're going to get dragged into every issue now? No. Um, I think you would do well to assess the risk of different decisions that you might make mm-hmm. um, with that as one of your frame, you know, one of the frameworks. Yeah, because, you, you know, about. it's interesting because Silicon Valley definitely gets pulled into because they talk about these issues a lot before. They did, we're this, we're that. And then when Google gives money to someone who's so antithetical to the things they said before, they look like hypocrites, mm-hmm. right? Most other companies just sort of stayed even, like not, didn't say they were great or bad. And But now you really do have to. I think companies really do have to take a point of view on certain issues. Yeah, on certain issues, I think that you you do, or you will be asked about that, like immigration with with farming. Yeah. And listen, we're you know we're for immigration reform. I was up on the hill today with multiple um, members of Congress and talking about that, why it's so necessary, why mm-hmm. farmers need um, you know need workers. Do you also have to then talk about gay and lesbian things, or do you just is it is it just is, is it endless? That one of these CEOs in Silicon Valley is like it's endless. I have to have an opinion about everything. No, I don't really. Not a lot of people are asked. Asking me about that, just <laughs> me. Because <laughs> it's just me. Yeah, I know. No. But, no. but but advocate. Yeah, like Tim Cook is has to constantly get up and say no to this state. You shouldn't. We're not going to do business here. Mark Benioff does the same thing. But mm-hmm. um, on that topic, I'm just saying every topic. There's so many political topics. I think if you if you get pulled into that, and you know they they may be. Um, Somewhat unique, not unique. I mean, those are large, very publicly <laughs> facing companies that everybody knows around the world, right. and so they're going to be asked their opinion you know, mm-hmm. pretty frequently. Yes, I get asked my opinion, or what is the company's position, <laughs> but not probably at the same level right. that they do. Right. You know, I, I think go back to my comment. I th- I really do believe that you will be naive if you don't think that right. you're going to be asked about those things, and so you have to have a point of view, yeah. and and it has to be consistent with the values of the company, and um in the way that you're showing up in the marketplace. Right. And it's interesting because some companies like Nike and Judd, they're actually being aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're a point, having a point of view, mm-hmm. right, which is interesting. It's interesting to think about because companies used to be much more, I mean, IBM was one of the first companies to integrate. Uh, it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And I think companies do change social. I think they change social more than politics or anything else. I think a lot of change happens at the company level. But it is interesting now because of the the fraught nature of our political environment. That's and stuff right. Stuff like that. I mean, I think companies are taking more of a leadership position given— Well, there aren't, the political- <laughs> <laughs> there aren't any. I was just on the Hill, and I was like, where— there, It was interesting. There was a group of people wandering around. It was furloughed workers, like of large groups, looking for Mitch McConnell. And it was hysterical. They were like, where is he? We're get back to work, Mitch. And they had signs, and I was like, yay, I love America. It was a really great moment. Anyway, Beth, this has been really interesting. Uh, thank you for coming on, and thank you for talking to me about these issues. It's, it's, uh, I think food and production is a really important thing going forward, how we're going to do this to keep our planet uh, from 
not not creating really big social problems and things like that. I agree with you, and thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thanks for coming to the show, and thanks for listening, to everybody. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, and please tell a friend about this show. You can follow me on Twitter, at Kara Swisher. Beth, where can people follow you and Lando Lakes online? At Beth Ford, LOL. Okay. Hello. Wait, is Lando Lakes. That okay, is. Lando Lakes. Really, oh, okay, okay. We have T-shirts and everything. Oh, LOL. LOL. Oh, I send see. Okay, so and what it. about Lando Lakes itself? Just LO, at LOL? LOL. Uh-huh. You have at LOL? Uh-huh. You know, aren't they coming out with a butter emoji? We need to own that. We need to butter. We need to own that butter emoji. It's got to be. We'll put a little hat on that thing. Yeah, that is everything. I'll tip. Hey, it's Beth Ford over at Land Lakes. I'd like the butter emoji, please. Uh, They are coming out with. Oh, they are. Oh yeah, we're all on that. I want to know when it's released. Who could get on there? What's the other butter maker? Who's the big? Who's the big? Talk about my competition. Whatever the other butter maker. See, I don't really know Land. We're number one. Oh no, I buy another one. Don't don't. Don't. There's no. There's a stag no. on it. Done. Done. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, all right. Now that you're done with this, there's a stag on it. Go visit. I don't even know the name. Go visit. Uh, go and check. you haven't had the best. It's I'm from sorry. my milkman AI. I just want you to know. All right. Thank you, you very much. Best. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this. By the way, Beth, I actually turn my own butter, so please. Like, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> You can afford to yes, I because just you've there. given up your car I turn, now. Right, I turn my butter every night. I you think can. I'll make a stick today. You just get more and more interesting I do. to me. I'm gonna, you know, I'm sitting across from <laughs> you and I'm just like, this is an interesting person. Own butter. Anyway, thank you for listening to this. I have a robot who does it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rico Deco. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com podcast or wherever you listen. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.